you're probably going to be shocked when I tell you this, but I, I don't spend very much time in the gym. I don't spend any time in the gym. Uh, my athletic uh, offerings are uh, some Fridays uh, when me and my friend Brock are available, we'll meet at Carl Barton Park and play tennis. Uh, I'll throw the baseball with my son. I'll play catch with him. Uh, and that's about it. Uh, but I did a little research this week in preparing for this message about uh, taking care of your body. Uh, we, maybe on average in this room, definitely we as Americans, depending on which articles you read, spend anywhere on average. So I'm definitely skewing the average down. But we spend anywhere from $150 to over $600 a month on taking care of our bodies, gym memberships, gym clothes, equipment, supplements, protein, vitamins, all the things that, that maybe help us get bigger, stronger, faster, lose weight, gain weight the right way, gain muscle, all those different things. We, we want to take care of our bodies. And I think there's a couple of reasons why we do that. Some take it to the extreme and there's definitely some, some things that you want to avoid in that, that world. Uh, but there are certain things that are healthy for us. You know, someone, a doctor might tell you, you know, you need to stop eating this and start eating more of this. Stop drinking that and start drinking more of this. For me, it's more water and less sweet tea and Dr. Pepper and Cherry Coke. Uh, it might mean over the summer, one bowl of Bluebell a day and not multiple bowls of Bluebell a day, depending on what your favorite flavor is. If it's cherry vanilla like Candace really likes, that's got cherry in it. That's fruit, right? That's a little more healthy than the Dr. Pepper Bluebell that came out this summer. But all of those things, and that doesn't even get into how much money we might spend on skincare, uh, nails, hair, looking good on the outside. And I think that probably some of us do those things because of something we want for ourselves. Some of us, we might do those things in response to what we maybe think the world wants us to look like. But I think deep down when we talk about our health, our physical body and taking care of that physical body, I think it boils down to three things. We want to look good. We want to feel good. And we want to be able to do what we want to do with our body as long as we possibly can. Now, in our church, across the three services today, we've had kids, parents, grandparents. We even had a few great-grandparents that were in our church today. We have four generations of people that attend our church on any given Sunday. And so you have things that you want to do with those different generations in your family. Things you want to do with your friends. Things you want to do with your neighbors, your coworkers your classmates, and you want to be able to do those things physically both as, as, as well as you possibly can, but also for as long as you possibly can. And so you do different things to take care of your body and, and to be able to do those things. And throughout the New Testament, as we're going to see in Ephesians chapter 4 today, throughout the New Testament, the church, the, the, the body of the church is described as the body of Christ. I messed this up in the first service. I said the, the church and I gave a C and I realized I was the only one that could see that C because I gave it backwards to y'all. So I said the body of Christ, the church, capital C, that is the, the body of believers all around the world. And then the lowercase C, the local church, the local body of Christ, which we know as and we call First Baptist Church of Conroe. Last week, we had a pastor here who, who's retired who preaches or preached at and was the pastor of for a number of years, West Conroe Baptist Church. There are a number of different local churches, lowercase c churches meeting all across Conroe right now, doing the same thing that we're doing, singing, fellowshipping, reading God's word together all around, uh, all focused on their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the New Testament talks about 
this body of Christ. And whether it's the local body, the local church, or whether it's the body of Christ as a whole, the true believers all around the world, Scripture continually teaches that Christ is the head of that church. So just like this morning, you got yourself dressed, you got yourself ready to come here, you're here sitting here, you've seen words on a screen, maybe you sang some of those words, maybe you didn't, maybe you sang them a little louder than your neighbor, maybe they sang a little louder than you, you're breathing, your heart is beating, all of that is because your brain, which resides inside your head, is controlling those actions. Some of those things are involuntary, some of those things are voluntary, but our brains, which are housed in our head, is the head, the kind of the thing that drives the functioning of our body. And just like our brains drive the functioning of our physical body, Christ is who drives the functioning of this local body as the head of our local body, First Baptist Conroe, and Christ also drives the body of Christ as we know it all around the world. And so here locally, you and I have a part to do. But I think that maybe sometimes we can neglect our role doing our part in the body of Christ. And there's, there's quite a few reasons why that might be. Uh, that might be our health for a season might limit us. Uh, our, our age at some point might limit us from being, do, being able to do some of the things that we used to do. We may have things going on in our work schedule or our school schedule or our family lives, or maybe it's just not a good season for us spiritually to say, you know what, I'm going to take a step out and I'm going to get involved and be involved in the body of Christ. But if we get in that habit over too long of a period of time and we neglect the body the way that some of you maybe have at different times in your life, or maybe some of you right now are saying, I got to really work on, I got to get my heart stronger or my, my breathing's not right, or I'm not as strong as I want to be or, or whatever it might be. And you take care of your own physical body and you respond to what your doctor or your trainer or your friend, your health nut guru friend that you've got says, hey, try this, do this, eat this, don't eat that, do these things. You can, you can begin to see the differences in your life when you don't neglect your body. So in the same way this morning, we're going to talk about what it is that we can do to not neglect the body of Christ, to be sure that this body is taken care of, to be sure that this local body First Baptist Church Conroe is made up of people who are doing their part to do what, what Paul writes about in his letter to the church at Ephesus. So if you've got your Bible and you want to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, we'll start reading in verse 11. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen, or you can grab that Bible in the pew rack in front of you and read along with me. They should all three say the same thing. It says this, starting in verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, those who were leaders in the local church, he gave these people to equip the saints, those are all the believers in the local church, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all, those who are leaders, those who are, those who are saints, everybody that's a part of the local church, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Verse 14 says, So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, and in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now, this is just one section from a letter by Paul to the church at Ephesus. And, and the whole scope of the letter, six chapters, uh, focuses on how those as Christians, those who are a part of the church, can enjoy 
the richness of what it truly means to follow Christ and what it truly means to be a part of the body of Christ. So all of Ephesians is talking about these different ways that the believers individually and collectively could enjoy the richness of what it means to follow Jesus. You know, we, we sometimes can be guilty of looking heavenward and saying, you know what, if I can just make it through earth and then I can get to heaven, the ultimate reward. And that's great. We want to have a heavenly mindset as we walk through this life because it helps us continue to maintain that state of joy. But there is so much that God wants us to experience today. And there's so much that God wants his world to experience when they look at the church and when they interact with the church and when they interact with the body of Christ. And so we're going to talk about that richness of what we experience within the body of Christ today. So in this section, these seven verses that we looked at, there's six verses, Paul is looking at the church through this passage on two different levels. I'm going to tell you those two levels first. We're going to look at the second level and then come back to the first. The first level is this. The body of Christ is made up of all true believers all around the world with Christ as the head. And that, that, that body of believers, millions, billions of people are growing gradually until we reach spiritual maturity. Now that won't happen this side of eternity. Uh, but we can grow each day to be more and more like Christ this side of eternity until we reach that goal that God has called us to. And then the second level that we see is the local body of believers that we would minister to each other, that we would grow together, and that we would achieve and experience spiritual unity. And so for, for our personal application today, since many of you in the room are members of this church, this is your local church. Some of you may be visiting today and we're thankful that you're here this morning and you may have a, a local church that you belong to. You may, you may think that maybe this is a church, maybe you're looking for a new church and you say, this is a local body that I, I could see myself belonging to. Then, then we're going to look at, because everybody kind of falls in that boat. That, that they, they belong to a local body somewhere, a local body of believers, a local church. And so for that local church, in this case today, we'll, we'll use our own church as the example. First Baptist Church Conroe, for us to experience spiritual unity, to be that local body of believers that, that God has inspired Paul to envision here that's achieving these things, then, then I think that, that we would show four evidences of spiritual maturity. And we're going to look back at the verses and where these four evidences come from in just a second. But I, I would argue not just that, that we would show that on a collective level, but we would also show those things on an individual level. So our individual lives, our individual walks with Christ, and our collective walk with Christ as a local body would, would show these four evidences. And the first one is this. Verse 13 talks about Christ-likeness. That, that you and I would show individually and collectively the evidence of Christ's likeness in our lives. Verse 13 says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. A couple of weeks ago, Mikado Henson was here preaching and, and Jeff invited his friend uh, who works for Texas A&M football to come and preach and he talked about this. From Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that, that as we, as Paul writes in Romans, as we uh, offer ourselves up as an act of worship to God, that God transforms and renews our minds. That way we think differently. 
about situations. We respond differently about situations. Everything that happens in this world as believers, as the body of Christ, we respond differently than the world might respond to those things. Paul describes it in this way, kind of three markers of Christ-likeness, unity of the faith. There, there are some things that, that, that people in this church from Scripture disagree on, but there are things that, that are foundational in our faith that you go from Christian church to Christian church to Christian church, those things are unchanging. And those things are non-negotiables. And it starts with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It starts with the forgiveness of sin that we experience through the cross, God sending His only Son and us being able to trust in God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We experience unity around that, of our faith. We also experience and walk in knowledge of the Son of God. Not just that we can tell somebody that who, who Jesus was born of, uh, when, what time period Jesus lived in, what, what the world was like when Jesus lived, facts about Jesus. We don't just know that. There are other religions that also believe in Jesus. They, some of them know more about Jesus than we do. They don't believe that he's their savior. They believe he's a prophet or they believe he was a great man or, or a healer or a teacher. They don't believe in him the way that we do, but they know much more about him or as much as we do, if not more. And then the last one we see, the third thing we see in this Christ-likeness is, is this maturity. Paul writes it this way, the knowledge of the Son of, God, the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we would each day become more and more like Christ. That we would each day become more and more like Him in the way that we love those around us, in the way that we care for those around us, in the way that we treat those around us. And then the second thing, the second evidence that we see is in verse 14. It's stability. Paul writes, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every doc doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. You and I are, are here this morning to help make our lives more stable. Last week, I had a conversation with a young woman after the 1115 service who wanted to trust Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. And it was such a blessing to hear her pray about needing forgiveness, about wanting to be forgiven and wanting to experience that and wanting to make, build her life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Families have joined our church. Couples have joined our church because they say, I, I, we want our, our, our children, we want our grandchildren, and we want our own lives personally to be rooted in the life and the ministry of a local church. And we want a church that teaches God's word and that believes in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and that lifts up the name of Jesus at every turn. And so we want to be a part of this church. We want that stability. Maybe you individually feed yourself with the truth of God's word each day. You open Pastor Jeff's email devotion. You open God's Word and you're reading a book of the Bible. You've got a devotion book that you, you read a passage of Scripture each day. Maybe you're on some Bible reading plan. Maybe if you're not feeding yourselves and you want and you see that maybe my life isn't that stable right now. My faith isn't, isn't that stable. Maybe, maybe that's something you need to add to your life. See, we feed ourselves with the truth of God's Word corporately. That's what we're doing right now together. We feed ourselves with, with God's Word in small groups. Some of you came into this room from your life group. Kids were in students and preschoolers were in building aid and our adults were scattered all across this campus and we spend time in life group together. There's a life group happening right now. There was a life group at 815 this morning. There's a couple in our church that said, you know what, we want to start a home group. We want to meet on Thursday nights. Life groups can happen anywhere at any time as God gathers us together in small group and we can, we can feed on God's word together and grow to be more stable. And then we do so on our own. We've talked about that a second ago so that we are not swayed by false teaching 
We're not, we're not won over by cultish, I call them cultish movements. Paul described them this way. Every wind of doctrine, human cunning, craftiness, deceitful schemes, things that sound like the truth but are not. We walk out the doors of this church and into this world and there are so many things, so many messages that we are bombarded with. Some of them can't be avoided, some of which we choose to step into those messages and they maybe some of them sound like truth, they sound good. Um, imagine what a non-believer, somebody that's not connected to, to God's Word on a regular basis, they're, they're wrestling with all of these different so, so to speak, truths. And let us live our lives in a stable way that someone might see the truth in us and that evidence of our spiritual maturity. Verse 15, the third evidence of spiritual maturity. Verse 15 says this, Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ. Several weeks ago, David Hardage was here and preached about how we ought to interact with the culture around us. And, and challenge us to be the men, the women, the students, the families, the church that speaks the truth in love. And I kind of, in the other, other two services, I kind of used this hand gesture that we would do both of those together and that we would do both of those well. Now see, if you have just truth and no love, you have brutality. I'm sure that somebody in this room has a hard-backed study Bible, twice as thick as mine with a hard cover. Imagine beating someone over the head figuratively with the Bible. Imagine beating someone over the head literally with your Bible. That would hurt, right? Grab that Bible, one of you in, in, in the pew in front of you, and just whack your neighbor on the head real quick with it. It'll wake him up, one. But two, it would hurt. When we do those kinds of things, when we share truth without love, it hurts. The opposite is true when we, when we love somebody with no truth, we become hypocritical. Because you're saying, my, my love, this relationship is, is too significant to damage by sharing within the truth of God's Word. could be a cultural issue. It could be a sin issue. It could be theological. It could be any number of things that, that you know you need to share the truth with somebody in your family, somebody that you're friends with, somebody you go to school with, you go to work with, you live next to. You need to share the truth with them. You want that but you need to do so in a loving way. And, and Dr. Hardage really challenged us on that and how to do that and to not be people of, of, of anger and hate and bitterness, but to be loving in that. And so it takes the right blend of both of those for us as believers to show that we are spiritually mature. So we've got Christ-likeness, one way to show the world around us that we, we as individuals and we as a body are spiritually mature. We've got stability, We've got truth joined with love, speaking the truth in love. And the last one we have is our cooperation. The way that we serve together is an evidence of the love that Christ has for us and the love that Christ has for this world. See, you and I belong to one another as a church family. You and I have an effect on one another, and you and I need each other. Uh, just think back to that video we watched just before I started of, of Mitzi and her, her serving in the church, first in a children's ministry uh, at a different church, and then here serving in our student ministry here and what that has meant to her and how that has led her to a place where she feels like she's connected and belongs. And that's been the theme in all of these testimonies. It's really finding like, like we have found our place, and this is something that God has created me to do, and God needs me because this church needs me. And God needs you because this church needs you. See, each of us as believers, we have a ministry to other believers. It might be prayer. 
We've got people in our church that, that pray for those in our prayer list on a regular basis and reach out to them. We've got people in our life groups that let, let other people in their life group know when someone's in the hospital or they've lost a loved one or they've got something exciting to celebrate and they, they walk through those things together. We need one another. I mean, just right now, some of you have got a, a baby in the nursery that's being held and rocked by somebody, a volunteer over there. Or they're, they're, you've got a first grader that's in kids' worship right now and a team of volunteers are leading them in song and activity uh, so that you can be here and, and be in God's Word with your church family. Yeah, think about it this way. We, we don't get to experience. We, we have the praise team in this service, um, and we have in our earlier two services uh, during the months of August through June, well, we have the full choir and orchestra in those two services. And during the fall, uh, they spend their Wednesday nights preparing for uh, a Christmas concert that they put on. And we call it a downtown Christmas. It happens in here uh, the second, I think I believe the second weekend uh, on, on, in December. Uh, and, and we have an opportunity to invite people from the community on Saturday night and Sunday morning to come and hear that. But you, you have those voices in the choir, sopranos, altos, tenors, basses. You have those instruments, woodwinds, brass, percussion, organ, piano. All those things make unique sounds individually, but they practice and they work and they get together to where they cooperate together so that when they that first note hits or that big last conclusion of that last big song hits, we are moved because of what we've heard in that. They cooperate together. Voices in a choir, members of a band, players on a team sport. Uh, Wednesday morning, I watched uh, some seventh graders that are going to be uh, on the football team together at Stockton Junior High. Tate was out there at football camp with them, and they're, they're doing some, some individual drills. They had the quarterbacks in the middle of the field. They had the running backs in the end zone. They had the offensive line by the running backs. They had the wide receivers on one side of the field. And each of them were doing their individual position drills for 15 or 20 minutes. And then they got the, the running backs and the offensive line together. And the running backs were running behind the blocking of the line, figuring out exactly where they need to go based on the play call. And the quarterbacks worked with the receivers and threw them a few routes. And then they brought the whole team together. There were maybe 40 of them out there uh, for this football camp Wednesday morning. And they, had, they put 11 guys out there on the line, five linemen, a quarterback, a running back, two receivers on each side. They huddled them up. Coach told them a play, and, and they did a little running play. It looked great. There was no defense. There were no pads. There were no helmets. There was no referees, but it looked great. It worked. Everybody went where they were supposed to go. Then they went back to the huddle. They got another play. They went back out, and the receivers ran routes, and the quarterback took a, a, a one-step drop from the shotgun, and he threw a pass to a receiver, and the receiver caught it. I'm like, yes, they're going to win every game this season because they completed the first pass on the first play. Mind you, no defense, no pads, no referees, like three parents in the stands watching, but they completed that first pass. I don't know that they completed a pass the rest of the practice, but they completed the very first one because all 11 players did what they were supposed to do. They cooperated together. If just one of them had been the wrong spot, let's say the quarterback knew he was going to throw to the inside receiver on his right side, and he thinks he's running a slant over the middle of the field, and that receiver runs a go all the way down the field, and he throws the ball right to where the slant's going to be, what's going to happen? Interception, going the other way. Defense scores a touchdown. But instead, everybody did their job. Everybody did the right thing, and the, and, and the play was successful. I just wonder, when the outside world looks at First Baptist Church Conroe, would they say that, that, that they're running successful plays? They're producing a sound that's beautiful. Yes, on Sunday morning when our choir and orchestra is in here, it sounds beautiful. Our praise team leads us. We're blessed to have so many great volunteer and staff people who lead us in, in worship each week. We're blessed with that. 
But I think more figuratively in this, what, 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 what message are we sending as a church family, this community? Is it a message of Christ-likeness, stability, truth with love, cooperation? I think it boils down to this. Each one of us has to answer this question. Am I doing my part? Each one of you has to answer the question. I have to answer the question. Are you doing your part? Those of us that are, that are believers, that have a time and a place in our lives when we trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we can look back up on that, that time and say, this is when I trusted Him. This is when I began the march towards Christ's likeness. Then are we doing our part? Maybe you need to jump in and serve somewhere. Maybe you need to find a place to serve on a regular basis. Maybe you're here in worship, but you're not in a life group and you want to get plugged into a life group. Maybe you want to be involved in, in outreach into our community. You want to get involved in missions beyond Conroe. You want to find a way to do your part, to do what it is, to use the skills, the talents, and the interests that God has given you to show the world that there's unity and faith here in and through First Baptist Conroe, to show the world Christ-likeness and stability and truth and cooperation. That's how we apply that second view of the local church. We, we want Conroe to look at us. We want others to look at us individually and collectively and say, that's a group of people that's Christ-like, that's stable, that shares the truth in love, and that cooperates well together. In verse 12, Paul writes, we, re we read these first two verses, and in verse 12 he says, that the role of these leaders, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Think about that first view of the body of Christ, that global body of believers. Every Christian alive today on the face of this earth is actively living and breathing in a part of the body of Christ. Hundred plus languages. Unknown people groups being reached with the gospel. Different cultures, different ways of expressing worship. So, so, some people groups don't even have the entire Bible translated in their own language yet. And that they are all a part of this global body of believers who each individually confess their sin to God and said, God, I want your son Jesus. I need your son Jesus to be my Savior. Maybe this morning none of this makes sense to you. Maybe you're like, I don't know what it's like to be a part of a local body uh, because I'm not a part of the greater body of Christ. I'm not a part of his church. I haven't trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Maybe you'd say, Alan, I deeply desire to be a part of a local body of believers that's Christ-like, that's stable, that shares the truth and love, that cooperates for the sake of the gospel. All of that growing to be more spiritually unified and more spiritually mature. And I would say, your part today is to take that first step and say, Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sin. And I want to trust you as my Lord and Savior. I'll be standing here during the last song that we sing. If you want to come and do that here at the front of the church, or if you want to walk across at the conclusion of the service, I'll be in the next steps area. We'd love to talk with you more about what it means to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Join the many of us here today who know Jesus as our Savior and join us in seeking to grow to be more like Christ. Help this local body show Christ to the world. Help the, the body of Christ show a lost and dying world what it means to have a Savior. And what a difference it makes in a life each day to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know, as our one of the favorite, one of my favorite things that we do here at this church is a is a, a quarterly class called First Steps. Some of you have participated in that before, just before, maybe just after you joined the church. And in that, we talk about 
what it means to be a healthy member of First Baptist Conroe, to be join the church officially and be a healthy member of the church. And we, we just challenge the, those attending that day and keep these three words in front of people, connecting, growing, and reaching. And that everybody in our church would, would connect with God in worship. We do that here together on Sunday mornings. There are ways you can do that on your own time throughout the week. We grow to be more like Christ. We've got life groups and other Bible study opportunities where you can grow to be more like Christ. Obviously, that's something you need to be working on on your own as well as you spend time in Scripture. But we also challenge everybody to be involved in reaching others with Christ's love. And there's two ways you can do that. One, you get involved serving. Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, special events. You get involved serving alongside other believers. You may be serving missions and outreach in this community or beyond. See, when we serve, we can grow to be more like Christ and we can reach others with Christ's love. So all of us have a part to play, but the question is, am I doing my part? Each one of you has a part to play. Are you doing your part? Let's all do our part and let's make FBC Conroe a more healthy, thriving body. Let's be the very best body that God desires us to be. Let's be the healthy, healthiest body that God desires us to be so that we can do the things that He calls us to do. We can love the people He calls us to love, serve in the places He calls us to serve, and all while doing so, showing a world around us just the richness of spiritual unity and maturity.